Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. We're in it. Man, it, I'll tell you, the other day, I fucking, I went down. It took a while, but I went down. I just uh, got submerged in a hopelessness, in a lack of will, in a uh, dis- inability to uh, sway my brain for a while, man, for a while. Then I went back into, I went from there to anger, and then from there to a sort of a uh, strange but uh, ever-present PTSD that's uh, kind of been there since 2016. It was a rough day. It was one of those days, man, where you just sort of, I've had enough of this staying indoors shit. I don't have a problem not going outside, but the fear and the sort of mundanity and, uh, and sort of everything was just starting to kind of creep in and dismantle any sort of ability I had to be present and just deal. And then Wisconsin happened, and that that tipped me over, man. That tipped me over. State Supreme Court, then the uh, big Supreme Court, would not allow them to delay the election because of the pandemic, but it also just strangely suited the Republican legislature's desire to have as few people voting against their picks for the Supreme Court and other positions as possible. It was just one of those moments where you're like, here's a portal into the future authoritarian stylings of America. I I think that America's authoritarianism is going to be unique to America as it is anywhere else, depending on the leader in the country. But on top of trying to do the right thing, being safe, taking myself out of circulation, to protect myself and others and just honoring that cautiousness. I live in a state where this fucking bug doesn't have a foothold as bad as other places because we've got a good governor here and a good mayor here. Real leaders did the right thing early on. And it's starting to look like it's having an effect in a positive way. And then you've got people spinning this thing as some sort of anti-democratic plot on behalf of socialists or the Chinese or looking for blame, looking to spin it to blame Democrats or whatever. 
unbelievable shallow stupidity. God forbid we err on the side of caution when thousands of people are dying from a disease we don't quite understand yet. Self-actualization plus confidence does not equal intelligence. All these sort of seemingly people who present themselves as a strong people, strong-willed people, people who you know, really see through the bullshit, are the biggest suckers in the world, and they love conspiracy theories because they can't afford to be afraid or vulnerable. So they pick whatever suits their anger and whatever has closure in a way where there's blame placed on somebody other than themselves or the people they believe in, and they just go for it, man. Sell that shit. I wish these dumb motherfuckers would stop doubling down on bullshit. Control freaks and people that can't except powerlessness on any level will gravitate towards any sort of validating garbage that makes themselves, you know, feel like they got a handle on shit and there's someone to point a finger at. Not the time to do that, but maybe it doesn't fucking matter. And then I fucking find out that John Prine dies. John Prine was one of the most beautiful artistic spirits this country ever manifested the real deal man he was the real deal just a great songwriter an earnest singer that just was able to find the heart and the humor and even the darkest of human stories through through song through music he's just a fucking genius and it wasn't all dark what isn't dark really you know the 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 celebration of the mundane it's a poetic pursuit but you know if you tip it one way it's going to get dark and a lot of the portraits of people in his songs were struggling people people who had hard times but it was for me you know getting to the heart and the humor of darkness that's why that's why i love comedy and that's why I love John Prine. And he was uh, had some health troubles over the years, not too long ago, cancer, some heart problems, and he got this coronavirus thing, and it did him in. He was 73. Should have lived longer, could have lived longer. Now, is there somebody to blame for this disease? Is there somebody to blame for the infection? No, a disease is a disease. Is there somebody to blame for the mismanagement of the response? Most definitely. Most definitely. Right at the top, baby. But I don't want to cloud an obituary with politics. I just want to say that I love John Prine. I loved his music. I had one of the best conversations with him that I've ever had on an episode of this show. And I reposted that. I, I find no... I, I hate having to repost episodes because of that. But I love having the episodes to put back out into the world as a memorial to the person that passed. John Prime was doing beautiful music up until just a year ago or two. Still touring. His last record was beautiful aging with his craft and with his heart. It's a tough one, man. 
This guy, a fucking American original, I'll tell you that, man. If you're curious about him, you don't know John Prine, check out his music. Go listen to that episode. It was a gift. It was a gift to me that I can now give back to you. Uh, rest in peace, John Prine. So, Fran Drescher is on the show today. I don't know if I brought that up. I got kind of carried away there. But Fran Drescher is with us. Fran Drescher, of course, who was the uh, who was the nanny, a very influential show on many people a little younger than me. She's on an NBC sitcom uh, called Indebted, which airs Thursday at 9.30, 8.30 Central. She was in Spinal Tap. She was in uh, Saturday Night Fever. She was in the Hollywood Nights. She's sort of an archetype, an archetype of sorts, an archetype that I'm familiar with. I think I had an apprehension about having Fran on because there's a, you know, that something I grew up with, uh, the cousins from Long Island, you know. It's a Jewish thing. It's a... There's sort of a, a, a kind of slightly aggressive Semitic charm fortress. You come up against that, but it's not it's not a bad thing. I've got cousins like that. I dated a woman like that, and Fran reminded me of those people. I did have a I did date a woman that was a that reminded me a lot of Fran, and my my uh, memories are not great of that. They're they're not a, they're not great memories. So I had a slight PTSD heading into it, but mild, you know, mild. But I I've always sort of uh, had a crush on Fran Drescher. I always liked Fran Drescher. I always thought I understood Fran Drescher, but I didn't know her at all. And I'm not sure I do understand her, but I did talk to her today. Today, you can hear me talk to Fran Drescher. So what else is happening here at the house? Uh, really, I did want to give you a heads up. There are people who are in my orbit who are making masks. Uh, I don't know what state you know you're in or what's going on there. Um, but we got to wear masks here. And, um, there's a couple of places that are making masks. Like my, my friends over at Love Jewels Leather are doing a night. They sent, these are people that sent me masks. These are not paid promotion, but I know they're manufacturing them. And Love Jewels Leather, uh, also uh, has made available a, a, um, pattern, a template, uh, through which and instructions to make your own mask, but you can find them on Instagram at Love Jewels J U L E S Leather L E A T H R L O V E J U L E S L E A T H R. That was uh, one. They sent me a mask, and it's very nice. But then there's another crew out there making masks. Headley and Bennett. They they made a lovely mask. And uh, it's a denim mask. These are, I guess you could call them hipster face masks, but wasn't that bound to happen? You can see the uh, Headley and Bennett uh, masks if you go to Headley and Bennett, H-E-D-L-E-Y and B-E-N-N-E-T-T at Instagram. So there's a couple of options. If you want to make your own, cut a shirt up, use a bandana, whatever, it's now sort of become uh, understood that... Uh, Having something's better than nothing. Some things are better than others. All right? But there's a couple mask options for you. Uh, and you can find out where they're they're donating in terms of charity and what they're doing to help out because both of those companies are doing things to help out. I uh, have to take my cat to the fucking vet and I'm losing my mind. It's been two days, man. And, you know, we were told here in L.A., you know, if you if even even if for, even if it's essential 
try not to go out. And that's not stopping me. It's just fucking monkey, man. It's fucking monkey. I can't fucking deal with the process of taking these cats to the vet. He's an old ass, skinny ass man. Monkey is. He's got hyperthyroid. I give him pills for that. Not a problem. But now he's got this asthma trip going on. And I guess I get, I get, I got him a steroid shot a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. I'm not sure how long it's been, but he's clearly needs another one. He's having a hard time breathing. Now, I wish I would have told you this story after I went. I'd like to have that story, but I don't have that story yet. I do not. Yesterday, I tried to get monkey and it got a little violent. I didn't time it right. I didn't have, I didn't have the confidence that you need. I've talked about this before. When you got to get a certain type of cat into a fucking box, you better have it visualized all the way through and you got to be in it when you start it and you got to make it happen. You have to will it into reality, getting that fucking cat in a box. And I was wishy-washy. I was, I didn't know if I wanted to go. I didn't know if I could get him and I fucked up once. And then I decided later that like, I'm going to try again. And then it got just horrible. Poor old guy, I think I blew out his fucking energy for the day. Literally acted like I was going to fucking kill him. I've had this cat almost 16 years. Doesn't matter. Still thinks at any, any second that I'll fucking kill him. That he's got to fight for his life against me because clearly I'm out to kill him. Now, if you really think about it, they're not wrong because eventually you're probably going to have to kill him right? You're going to have to kill your cat because they live too long and they don't know when to die. And I've said that before. I know it's a little callous and it's not the greatest way to put it, but you do it with love and you do it with um, a full heart. But this was not the day. Today, I wanted to bring him into the vet, which is already, this is a whole other thing I got to deal with, a new uh, plague time experience where you drive. I got to drive up to the vet, call, go around back, hand off the cat, and then wait for him to come back out. That's how it's going to go. I got to make this happen. It's going to happen today. I don't know if I told you I watched uh, all of Unorthodox, which I thought was beautiful. It gave me a deeper understanding of ultra-Orthodox Jews uh, who I've mocked in my past, and I've gotten flack for it from uh, non-Orthodox Jews who said, uh, hey, no anti-Semitism allowed at all, especially not from us. Why pile on when they're piling on us? Okay, but I learned a lot. I learned, uh, I learned some things. It was a beautifully uh, empathetic four-part series about a woman who escapes Williamsburg and the um, ultra-Orthodox community there. I recommend it. Watched The Stranger the other night. That's uh, Orson Welles plays the... Nazi hiding in Connecticut and as as deep into what America's made of as possible. It's a pretty menacing, beautifully cut, beautifully paced movie. Hadn't seen that in a while. I guess we're doing a kind of Nazi and Jew theme over here. Listening to a lot of music, listening to, uh, listening to the Stones' Aftermath all the way through the other day. Forgot what a great record that was. Listened to her Satanic Majesty's uh, request uh, the Psychedelic Stones record, not a great record, actually. A lot of uh, very exploratory, we're not the Beatles, though we'll try on this record uh, type of stuff. Not knocking the Stones, but you know, you don't know every Stones song. 
There's a lot of Stone songs you don't know, but you know every Beatles song, right? And I'm sort of a Stones guy, but I'm willing to say that. Okay, you guys, um, let's. I'm going to talk to Fran Drescher now, and you're going to listen if you'd like. I enjoy talking to her. I find her very charming and uh, lovely. And uh, as I said before, she's on the new NBC show, Indebted. This is me and Fran Drescher. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get Get your podcasts. Sure. Look at you. You've got all your... Oh, incense? Incense, yeah. You do incense? You know, I I have them. Yeah. I like a diffuser <laughs> better. Yeah, because, yeah. The you thing know, you, you, that you plug into the plug? Yes, you plug it in, you put in essential oils. Yeah, and then it organic, goes. Organic, of course. Yeah, of course. And then it goes, and I... Uh-huh. I, I I have more control over the smell. I can right. mix and blend. Nice. Lately, I've been doing some peppermint because, you know, that's mm-hmm. a um, antibacterial. Calming? Really? Yes. Huh. I'm drinking peppermint tea right now. Oh, that's lovely. That's good for digestion. Is it? Yeah. So I had. <laughs> <laughs> have you been doing a, a lot of research on this, Fran? Yeah. How, how you long? Know, I'm a health activist. And a cancer survivor. So you got to. I'm the founder of the Cancer Transfer Movement. Right, I remember, so, yeah. So, you know, I kind of walk the talk. Yeah. So I'm what, really uh, good if ever you need Yeah. Well, I mean, what, but what is that, though? Like, when you, which kind of cancer did you have? I had uterine cancer, which yeah. was a Terrible. slow-growing uh-huh. female cancer, right. but it took me two years and eight doctors to get a proper diagnosis. So it was growing during that time. Knowing that you didn't get a diagnosis. I went misdiagnosed. Mm. And I then I... What was the misdiagnosis? Like cysts? Perimenopause. Oh. so Because uh, most women that get uterine cancer are either postmenopausal or obese, and I was neither. But yet 25% of women who do get it, which is one in four, are young and thin. Huh. So why not just rule out with a simple in-office endometrial biopsy whether this could be that as opposed to just dismissing you exactly i say this lady's uh, getting older <laughs> right she's exactly. having old she's lady problems at the right age for that but doctors are bludgeoned to go the least expensive route of diagnostic testing yeah and also they you know they they don't know everything they you know that they, they, they can't they, turn they can't your put doctor shit into a deity they yeah they can't that's a mistake i grew up with a doctor Oh, uh, my bet. dad was orthopedic, so it was a little more definitive. Uh-huh. But really, the, their ability to connect symptoms is it, it, it's not it's 
it's all it's a hit or miss thing. And you don't know if the doctor that you're seeing is a great diagnostician. No. Because you're usually just going for the regular checkups. Right. And they're just sort of like, well, take a medicine, see if it goes away, <laughs> yeah. try this. Yeah, they all subscribe to the philosophy of you hear hooves galloping. Yeah. Don't look for zebra. It's probably a horse. Yeah, yeah. But or, if you happen to be a zebra like me. Uh-huh. It's, You're screwed. Right. I, lately, though, I've, 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 I've met a lot of very practical doctors who are just sort of like, I don't know what that is. Let's see if we can figure it out. That's well, good. That is good. That is good. So what was the treatment now that led you to- uh, I had to get a radical hysterectomy, ultimately. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's a difficult surgery for any woman, but for one who had never had children like myself, it's a particularly bitter pill to swallow. How old were you? I was 42 when mm. I was ultimately diagnosed. Were you planning on having children? I had just met someone that kind of made me realize what other women were talking about when they say, I want to have his baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I'd never felt that before. I was uh, driven to have a career. This was after your husband? This was after my first husband. Now... My gay ex-husband, yes. whom I love dearly. Not gay during the marriage. No, but he was beginning to show signs. Reconcile that he <laughs> was, yeah, uh, maybe bisexual, but mm. never acted on it. Yeah. Loved our life, yeah, and loved me, and yeah, we were active sexually, yeah. So, um, he was upset when I busted up the act. Yeah. And kind of stopped talking to me. And then when I got the cancer, one of the silver linings yeah. was that in that moment he burst into tears when he was told and all of his anger melted mm -hmm. away and all that was left was the love. And then I wanted to write a book yeah. about my experience so what happened to me wouldn't happen to other people right. by means of misdiagnosis and yeah. mistreatment. But then I realized that what happened to me has happened to millions of Americans. Sure, And so... I knew that the book was not the end, but just the beginning of what was going to become a life mission. And and Peter and I started to build our relationship up again on a new shelf. And it's great. Good. It is. We we work together now. Where yeah. we did um, happily divorced together. Oh yeah, that, that show went series. on for a while, right? Yeah, it was a couple three seasons, seasons. Three seasons. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And uh, now we're doing the nanny musical for Broadway. The Nanny Musical? Yes. <laughs> That's crazy. It is. Well, it's, I think, I mean, everyone's excited. Of course. It's going to be great. Yeah, and uh, who's going to play the nanny? That is yet to be seen. But you haven't we've attached got Rachel anybody? Bloom to write the music from Crazy Ex. Sure, I've talked to her. She's been in here. Yeah, I bet everybody's been in a here. A lot of people have been here, or at the other house, or in the house. Oh, this yeah, is this a new is, house. This is a new house, and I was doing it in the house for a while, while they were working on this Thing. Back area. Oh, uh -huh. well, I had to make this into a house. Like yeah. it was just a garage that had been made an illegal room by the people before me, and I got tagged. Mm. So I had to make this is a house now. There's a kitchen in there. Everything. Oh, that's I great. I had to make it a house. Are your parents still living? Yes. So do they come in? And I don't know. They, they, my mother's. They've both come, uh, but I had I, that, this wasn't ready yet, and I don't know. It's weird. My dad it couldn't make. He had a hard time with the stairs. That's where the other bedroom is. Yeah. And uh, you know, I have no problem putting them up at a hotel down the street. Right, right. I don't need them in the house. Okay. <laughs> but then you do. Are your folks the, alive? Yes, thank God. Both of them. Yes, and still madly in love with each other. 
That is something. I know. Mine are not. Oh, they're not together even. No. Oh, I see. No. Yeah. No. It would be. Uh, it would be more when did sad. They split, though? When were I was you... like thirty-five. It was. Oh, I was well. like. It was. I was older. Okay. It wasn't a, a young. Uh, you know. There was a. It was still a problem of figuring out who I should live with at thirty-five. But... <laughs> Truly. No. no. Come on. My well, somebody oh, once said to me, you know, gullible is the only word that's not in the dictionary, and I said, really. really? <laughs> so. Getting back to this, so the treatment, though, in terms of changing your diet, because that's sort of where we were going in incense and essential oils and healing things that a lot of that stuff, because I have my own feelings about it. I go in and out of that stuff. But sometimes it is about believing, right? Well, everything is about believing, of course. You know, if you believe you're going to die, you probably will have less of a fighting chance than if you believe you're going to live. I try to only eat organic. Sure. And, that makes sense. Oh, so that makes sense to you? Of course. Okay. And also, I detox my home. I don't spray for pesticides. Right. No, all that all makes sense. All of the cleaning yeah. products sure. and gardening is oh, yeah. organic. I'm, with, I'm on oh, board so with that. we're on the same page. Yeah, because that stuff is That's real. That's the cancer away. Right. But I'm just talking about like the air freshener. I wonder That's essential oils. Essential oils. I don't know if I no. believe how much of bacteria it's killing. But this not, that's just me. Oh, well, I, I mean, you know, I don't think that it's going to really do the job that, uh, you know, if you really clean right, surfaces sure. and no, things. No, I know. But yeah. I think that this is an airborne sure. issue that yeah. we're currently dealing with, yeah. with COVID-19. And uh, yeah, why not have some? Yeah, in what's the thing. A downside? Yeah, there's no downside. It smells nice. Fuck it. It does exactly. Where do you stand on turmeric? I think it's wonderful. It's yeah. anti-inflammatory. Yeah, you I know, know, I was what? married to an Indian. That was my second husband. Were you guys married? Yes. Why? No. I, d- I didn't know if it was clear whether you were married or not. That oh, seemed oh. to be unclear. Well, we never filed with the state, oh. but we were wedded by a. Um, a Jewish gay minister and a... Um, oh, so you never filled out your paperwork, but you got married. We, yes. And, you never and, registered. Right, with the state. Right. We ultimately decided that, you know, it was too much uh, for... We had, to, we, were to, we had corporations. It was too complicated and not necessary. What was that? What did that guy do? Uh, well, he was a computer systems inventor, uh, and he was working on a a health uh, program that. Was... So he was the guy you met that you want to have babies with. No. Oh, that was another guy. No, this was twenty years ago. Yeah. He's now having a baby with someone else. He now? was sixteen years younger than me. Oh, okay. So he's now in his mid forties. What'd that guy do? Uh, he became a writer, producer on oh, yeah? television. Yeah. And you guys dated for a while. Sixteen years younger. Four than years. You? Four years. That was and fun, the cancer right? was part of that journey. Yeah, and I'm very, very, very grateful. And nobody could ever say a bad word about him because he was really a doll. And yo, you you got the diagnosis when you were with him. Yes, uh. and you know, he was a guy that when he was in college, he was dating a woman mm. whose sister was murdered, and she was really flipped out over it and pushed him away and left town. Mm. And he kind of made a little promise to himself that if ever he's in love with a woman who's going through a crisis, he will not let her push him away, but he will be there 
to help and support her. And I was the recipient of that promise. Nice. And that's something. How, Good timing with how, your tragedy. How life works. With your tragic news. It's true. But you're good now. I am. I'm 20 years well this June. That's great. We're going to celebrate with my annual cabaret dinner cruise in New York Harbor for Cancer Schmansa. And we serve organic food, of course, because yes. we walk the talk. Are you vegetarian? No. Okay. No. I love vegetables, <laughs> and I love salad, and I eat a lot of that. Yeah. But I'm I'm not exclusively that. Right. Well, so the Indian. But what guy, I do well, eat it has to be very pristinely grown. Sure. Whether grass it be fed. animal protein, right. Or or well, grass fed, antibiotic free, mm-hmm. growth hormone yeah. free, yeah. Pasture raised, not just grass fed, right? Because you want to get the earth, and the animal right. eats a lot of earth. Yeah, you want them out there. Yes, living out the life. There, living the life that uh-huh. God intended them yeah. to live, or wild. Sure. Wild, yeah. like a wild pig. A wild fish. Wild fish. Oh, yeah, you got to eat wild fish. You should. I only eat wild fish. Good for you. Thank you very much. And but you don't know what you're getting at restaurants with the fish. You got to ask. I, I always ask. Yeah. So you won't eat fish that's not wild at a no. restaurant? No. So rare that they have the wild fish. It's got to be seasonal. You got to ask every time because that's the only way they'll get the message. So wait, what part of New York do you grow up in? Uh, Flushing, Queens, just like the nanny. Flushing, Queens. Right. I lived in Astoria, Queens. Oh, okay. Wow. Flushing, Queens, so where the World's Fair. Town. Yes. Where the big globe is and yes, whatever. Yes, the Unisphere. Yes, the, the dead fairgrounds. Yeah. The, well, the, the ghost of fun. I got married uh, the first at time. the Terrace on the Park, which is still there. Uh-huh. And- uh, My parents went to that World's Fair. I did as well. Well, you were a kid, though. Yeah, I was, I think, like- um, Maybe four or yeah. five or six. Are there slides of you at the fair? I think there was home movies. Yeah. My dad liked taking yeah. home movies. And I remember when we went into uh, the uh, General Motors Pavilion. <laughs> yeah. And we all were on in a like convertible mm. GM car. And Exciting. they let me sit behind the wheel. Oh, you remember that? But it was on a track. You yeah. Know? But it was so much fun. You remember that part? I do. It's weird what you remember from And four. we went to Howard Johnson's before. Of course. For, for ice brunch. cream? Brunch. Oh, for brunch. Yeah. Did you have ice cream? Probably. Probably. <laughs> so, so, like, what, uh, was your whole family in Flushing? Um, no. I mean, I had very close, my dad's brother yeah. uh, and his whole family, my first cousins, they all lived in Howard Beach. Uh-huh. My grandmother lived in Rigo Park. Where'd she come from? Uh, well, she was born here. Yeah. But her husband, uh, Papa Joe, yeah. uh, came from Poland. Sure. Her mom came from Romania, Babiesta. Mm. Babiesta. And yeah. uh, my dad's parents were both immigrants. Yeah. And uh, I think- From uh, Russia or where? I think they were, I'm not exactly. Have you done the genetic thing? Russian, German. You broke it. I'm Ashkenazi, like 99.9%. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, all Jew, just comes back Jew. Uh, <laughs> I never get invited on those celebrity shows where they do the- uh, I did one, you should do, oh, they did Well, do maybe it. you had a more interesting past than me. No, I'm- Really, I'm, nothing uh, came of it? I was just all Jew. But 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 there was like um, but they nothing were nothing interesting. No no some oh. stuff. It was that one finding your roots. That one. Right right. They've I never did. invited me to do that. I think they're more. I think into, it's tricky with Jews. Um yeah. 
You know, because like they turn off the channel, but they no, may lose their no, no. That, it was actually three Jews on my episode: it was Terry Gross, Goldblum, Jeffrey Jeff Goldblum, yes, I know. and me. Oh. And the tricky thing about Jews is that the records, especially in Russia, they don't go far that far back because mm. a lot of them were destroyed. But there was like it was interesting. I I, I definitely, of course, I learned stuff I didn't know. But I'm sure that there's. But stuff I think they're more into. Let's get the African American sure. who yes. somehow was related to Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, or something. All, they all were. Thomas uh, Jefferson <laughs> we, fucked. He was all prolific. His slaves. Yes. <laughs> but uh, so flushing, Jews. Yes, yes, and you know that song that Simon and Garfunkel wrote in My mm. Little Town. Oh yeah, that was My Little Town. Were they writing about flushing? Yeah. I love that song. It's so haunting. Our neighborhood. It's sad, man. It's a sad song. Yeah. yeah. Nothing but the dead and dying back in my little town. And Jerry Seinfeld came from the next town. We both went to Queens College. Did you know him? I did not. So But you know, Ray Romano was in my graduating class in high school. Oh yeah. With Peter. Oh, with your Peter. Yeah. Yeah, I knew Ray. Back when he was doing comedy, his brother's a cop. Well, I didn't. You were know older him back than him, then. or younger? Oh, you didn't. No, know we were the same age. We're oh. the same age. We're in the same graduating class. And you, uh, we're in the same graduation book. Uh-huh. And I didn't even know this. He uh-huh. knew it. And so when he came on to CBS to do Everybody Loves Raymond, yeah. I was already doing it on the nanny. Yeah. There we were, on the same network. Yeah. From the same high school graduating class. And he, but how could people not know you? I have to assume that you had the personality you have for like since you were five. <laughs> Probably, but <laughs> I um, no, I think he knew. Yeah, so but you didn't know him. I didn't know him. He ah, wasn't as popular. Right, <laughs> you were popular. I was popular, but I like I always enjoyed. I had three sets of friends. Yeah. The cool kids, which yeah. were by far were not the most interesting to yeah. me. The nerds, sure. who I love my nerds, because yeah. I'm an intellectual too. Yeah. And also the like the drama club kids. So that those were the three circles. Yeah, you could move freely throughout those. Yes, I but, I was able to do. But that. come on, there must be a story where you you like you know you abandoned some nerd friends to hang out with the popular friends or. Or maybe, you know. You know, I think that when I was in junior high, or as they call it, middle school now, um, there was a year that I was friends with two girls. And then the following year, one girl just didn't seem to mature at the same rate as me and the other girl did. Yeah. And we kind of stopped being friends with her. Yeah. Which, I don't know, I mean, you just keep developing, I guess. Of course, yeah. I mean, that's normal. That's natural. But you never got into one of those situations where you were the popular one and then you had the, the one that wasn't popular, the friend, and you made some sort of choice. And uh, she kind of was saddened and you, you felt guilty about it for the rest of your life. Well, I feel guilty that, <laughs> you know, I felt like I outgrew Ellen. Yes, and uh, and I did feel what she bad about it. I was never not nice. I right. wasn't like Mean Girls. Right, right, okay. It's okay, just, yeah. you know. You were never a meanie. No. Oh. In fact, I, you know, kind of yeah. had to learn how to say no and put myself into the equation. Oh, yeah? Toughen up. do what's good Boundaries. for me. Boundaries. Yes. Some codependent therapy. 
codependent is something that I can slip into, but also uh, being a uh, caregiver to a fault of yeah. my own. Right. Oh, right. So you sacrifice your own sense of yes. self yeah. for the other. Right. Is that what happened with the Indian guy? No, no. The Indian guy, um, I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot about myself because of him. Really? Like what? How's that happen? I, Was he a mystic? I didn't realize that I could still get my buttons pushed and that I would still <laughs> kind of blame myself for things. So you guys got in fights? Yes. And not the first year, that was bliss. Then the uh, second year was agony and ecstasy. Uh, and the third year was just agony, and then I called it quits. Huh. And Boom. I realized that this creature, you know, I, I, I traveled the journey. It was a real arc of my character. Mm. That in the beginning, I would think, oh, this guy, you know, he gets upset and he just walks out of the door. And then I wouldn't hear from him for like two weeks. And I'd be wow. like... Is in nuts worrying about him and beating myself up for saying this or doing that. Exactly. Mm. And from that beginning point, which was very unhealthy for me, Mm. um, I began to observe him like a creature and I realized that he has, you know, he's got his own little problems and that doesn't really make him a good husband or communicator. Mm. And, I gave him several tries each time he wanted to come back and I let him. But then I said, you know, I'm, this is beginning to impact my health and I'm a cancer survivor. So it's too stressful. So the, if we get into any kind of an argument, walking out is not an option. Working through is the only option. Yeah. Jews don't walk out. But then, you know, he wasn't Jewish. (laughs) I know. So, um, <laughs> stay in it. We're going to yeah. move through this. Someone's going to cry, and then we apologize and eat something. He was, you know, kind of Hindu. We mm. had a Hindu priest, too. Yeah. But, um, you know, then I realized, okay, this isn't enough for me. That's funny because... that, that you thought that your buttons couldn't be pushed after a certain point. Well, because I thought I had worked through some of the issues that I realized. And that was the opportunity. Sure. And I I ended up making an appointment for us together to go see this shaman psychologist. Oh, come on. And he didn't want to go. So I went myself. To a shaman psychologist. Yes. How is that different than a regular I had done very serious Jungian for over a decade. Oh, wait a minute. Now, so Jungian... What is that process? Is that well, dream it's, based? It they they do like to talk about the the dreams. Yeah, I just like how. But uh, also, you know, she was a very serious older woman psychoanalyst. So right, okay. you lie down on the couch. Right, right, right. But it's Jungian as opposed as opposed to Freudian. Yes. So you're dealing a lot with uh, dreams, right? Rather than... Uh, visuals, you know, not trying to explain stuff based on, like, this is your father, this is your mother, you want to do this, you want to do that? Uh, well, we went through every member of my immediate family. Mm. So you did that for one 10 years? One by one, yeah. yes. And did that help? Yes. Because by the time I got to the shaman, mm. I was 
more spiritual, more of a Buddhist. I could talk shorthand to him because I had cut through a lot of the bullshit. Right. But you knew I still, exactly what you were there for. Yes, I just, you know, I needed to learn the tools yeah. to get you to fill yourself with you yeah. rather than from someone else, which is always ultimately going to disappoint you because they have their own baggage and their own issues. You can't control them. Exactly. You can only control you. So you have to fill Maybe, your voids with you. Right. And that's what I learned. From the shaman. Yes. Are you an ayahuasca person? No. I can't see that. I can't see you. Doing that. No. I mean, I have a lot of friends that are, and I've, you know, and You're I'm- You're going to sit in a circle out in the I woods? I probably speak for cannabis, of right. course. But- um, It's just, I, just so sweaty and messy, and you run around, you throw up. I am scared. I'm a good girl, I am. <laughs> I I don't want to be in someone's <laughs> living room all night, and, you know, and, you know, I've- I've tried a, a, some little things here and there over the course of my life, but yeah, you know, you get a little older, right? What little things have you risky. tried? I tried X a few times. That's loose. That's not terrible. You're not going to lose yourself on no, X. but you know, it's diminishing returns each yeah. time you do. Right? Sure, right? And not so, healthy either. No. So that was the last time. Was the last time. Mm-hmm. And some people uh, like the mushrooms. Mushrooms a couple times I've a year. done. It's all right. I don't do it anymore, though. Yeah, what for? What do you need it? No. Right? So you're you're in Flushing. You went to, where'd you go to college? Uh, I went to Queens College. So you, you were really- I walked York. to college. <laughs> I was so codependent on my parents. Uh, I mean, I got into NYU, too. Yeah. But I didn't want to schlep. What, to this, an hour on I the train? Know, I'm telling 45 you. 45 minutes? I I never backpacked through Europe. I never went away to sleepaway camp. What'd your dad do? What'd you, what was the business? Dad eventually found his way as a systems analyst huh. and uh, ended up working the longest period of time as a civilian employee for the U.S. Navy. Wow. And he would analyze all the like uh, PXs where they sold stuff oh. for the mil for the uh -huh. you know naval military all of wow, that. Wow, very specific. And your mother worked too? Yeah, she worked around the corner uh, when I was young in a discount drugstore. And then once I moved out, she got a job. Or maybe when I I don't remember whether she was worked there when I was still home, but then she worked in a bridal salon. Yeah. Then she became a floater in a uh, department store. Huh. That was after I moved out. And they stayed in the same house forever? No. Um, they, we were, <laughs> were in, they a in small, a small two-bedroom. Apartment or house? Apartment. Then we went into a larger three-bedroom apartment. Oh, New York apartment. Then, um, then me and my sister moved down, and they bought a little... Um, Townhouse yeah. in New Jersey. Yeah, what part of Jersey? In uh, where Stearns is. Now I can't remember the name of Woodbridge. Oh yes, yeah, nice. I, I I was only there a couple of times. They were coming out to California to be with me more. Yeah, so and we would you know go on vacations together. They live here now. They no, I wish oh. they live down in South Florida. Oh. But I'm trying to get them to move here. Oh, yeah? 
Yeah. They're locked in down there? They live in a place with other old people? You know, they're have not, friends? not a senior living, but a retirement community. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like 55 and up. Yeah. But I think that they're ready for senior living. Uh-huh. And but they're, not, they're, they're, they're fighting you on it? Well, it's a big move. They love their apartment. Yeah. They live in a condo. Yeah. And they still have each other, thank God. Yeah. But I found a place not far from me, right on the beach. Yeah. And I said, you know, you don't have to make any decisions. Mm. Don't sell anything. Don't do anything. Mm. Just come out. We'll rent it for a month. They said we can do that. And I'll lease beautiful furniture for the month and we'll fill it up. And you'll just have the experience of living there for a month and see if it's something that you can be comfortable doing. Well, that but means now what? with Corona, I no. don't want to put them on a plane. Uh, so it's going to yeah. have to wait. All right. Well, it sounds like they're occupied and happy. Yes, it's just, you know, I'm helping them more and more with their doctors, and I'm always sending them vitamins, and I'm just not there. Is your you sister know? around? My sister lives in New York, and she's has her doctorate in nursing. Hmm. So, and her husband is a doctor, dermatologist. Uh huh. So, you know. So they're dealing with her too, right? They're dealing with the folks too, or are you the only one? She deals with them and talks to them all the time too. Mm. But I'm more into alternative stuff. Mm. I want them to build up their immune system. Sure. The cancer shrinks away. Yeah. And follow the Fran plan. So I'm always sending them stuff and telling them how to do it. Do they do it? Yeah, they're coming around. Did you grow up? How Jewish did you grow up? Um, very, very relaxed, not uh, very reformed, Really, like uber reformed. Yeah. My dad has always felt that, um, you know, organized religion is the cause of all wars. Yeah. And he wasn't wrong. And uh, so he really liked identifying us with the history Mm -hmm. of the Jewish people. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, not necessarily all the rules and regulations. Right, sure. So, and I'm kind of the same way. Though Did my you get bar mitzvah? No. None of that? None of that. But my sister had both her daughters bat mitzvahed. Sure. So she went a little bit the other way after she moved out. Not too she much, liked, though, right? She uh, liked- Conservative. Being part of uh, a temple and- Community? I think so. So when did you start acting? Acting, uh, you know, like in, in by the t- by the time I was in tenth grade, my first year of high school, I was in the school play. Yeah, and in eleventh grade, I started to uh, become part of um, uh, a special program, the theater career program, mm. and so it was modeled off of performing arts, and we went for half a day just taking different theater classes, and that was where I met Peter. No, actually, I met him in 10th grade. He was the pianist for the show I was in. The husband? The first husband? The gay husband? Yes. You known him that long? Yes, 15. That's crazy. I know him much longer than I don't know him. Yeah. Okay, so, but- We're soulmates. Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, like, yeah, that's a long time. But when you, so that's the only real training you did to to act? No, I went to HB Studio in New York. Who was that? Uh, Bill Esper? Herbert Burkhoff. Herbert Burkhoff. Yes. And I studied with a couple of teachers there, not him. 
Yeah, he was I the don't big even guy. Know if he was alive, I'm not sure. You don't know, even no. when you were there. You yeah, saw- I was a, I was a kid in high school, and yeah, you know, I'd get on the train. Yeah, with a girlfriend to go to H- go Saturdays. What was it called? HB Studio. It's still there. Yeah. Still there in the And village. he was the guy. He's the guy. What's his name again? A- Herbert Burkhoff. But you never saw him? I don't recall seeing him, but I studied with two other teachers that were quite, uh, you know, like had quite a good reputation. When you were in high school? Yes. But then and after- And then, I, I, by the time I was in my senior year, I was already Miss New York teenager first runner-up. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? And I only entered it because I thought it would help me to get an agent if I won. For acting? Yes. Uh-huh. So I was very ambitious at a very young age, and I did get an agent. Yeah. You still, and, how long did you and, stay with that agent? Uh, probably a couple of years. I freelanced in the beginning. That was kind of the way you could do that back then what kind of training were these who were these these uh people that that your teachers were were there other people we know in the in the class or did you come up with anybody i don't recall other people in the class how long did you really were you there like a couple of years or what uh no i think i went for uh like two semesters yeah to to the professional acting yeah. class right yeah yeah like two semesters and then i started working professionally so you got the. I got an agent. Yeah. I got. I had pictures. Yeah. And I started going out, and I booked some commercials right away. I also did some extra work, which helped get me into the union. And then, and then just, I was off to the races. My first job was Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. Would you have like one or two lines in that? I was Connie. Yeah. And I was the one that said, "Are you was going to bet as you were on the dance floor?" Uh, yeah, we had right. a little scene. Yeah, yeah. My Is that dad, exciting? My dad worked in Brooklyn when we were shooting. Uh huh. And he came to visit me on his lunch break. Right. Yeah. And they said, this is a closed set. And he said, but I'm the star's father. The star's father. And they said, all right, this way, Mr. Travolta. <laughs> and he just didn't bat an eye, just uh, kept walking. Yeah. But what was uh, what was American Hot Wax? How big was the part was that? Because I kind of remember that movie. It was about Alan Freed, right? Yes. That was a big part. I mean, I was... Uh, a teenager? I was... About to turn 20 when I started that movie. I was yeah. 19. Yeah. But almost 20. And me and Jay Leno tested together, and we became Mookie and Cheryl. That was our, uh, I think that was his character's name. And uh, we were uh, Alan Freed's secretary and limo driver. Ah. And he, she, he and I were always... You know, like you fighting Jay? on camera. Yeah. Yeah, we had an antagonistic uh, relationship that ended up with us falling in love, of course. Really? And that was, he must have we're been like one, so of, young. one of the only movies he did. He didn't do that many movies. No, we were I, so I, I, young. I have early memories of that movie. I don't think I've seen it since it came out, and that's 1978. And we had a kissing scene. You and Jay? Yep. Uh, and that yeah. was, was that your first kissing scene? Uh, yes, it was. <laughs> Did you, yes, how'd that it go? Was. was it funny? Yeah, it was. He's a good kisser. Oh, yeah? Believe it or not. <laughs> At least he was then. Wow. Probably. I think it's like riding a bike. Is it? Once you're good, you're always good? I would imagine. And then I, like, it's just funny, these movies, because the, the, the early movies, because I remember them, because I, when I was growing up, you are just part of my brain, but I don't know that I could, I remembered you specifically and like... The Hollywood Nights. That was like Robert Wool, right? Yes, and uh, Tony Danza. Yeah, and Michelle Pfeiffer. Really? Yes, and we were all playing teenagers then. 
Right, and they were kind of kooky. Not they were like. Well, a, it not, was a, one of those movies. They that weren't a gang place though. They all night. Oh, just okay. like you know. But it was a goofy thing, right? It wasn't like a. Uh, they weren't scary or anything. It was. They no. weren't a gang. I remember someone no. pissing in the punch. Yeah, no, it was a. It was a kind of like teen that. comedy. Right. That was the genre of, you know. American Graffiti, right. Diner, right, sure. Animal House. Sure, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were making some money over those movies. Yeah. Yeah, and it was fun I was though, lucky right? that, you know, I was there at the right time. Yeah. But what were you doing? Were you living in New York? Once I got American Hot Wax and they flew me out here, I came out to do the movie. I was booked to work 10 weeks. Yeah. But I never went back. That was it? Yeah, because I started working and i and connected TV with an too? agent and manager and peter came out too and we started <laughs> living together and but yeah and you were dating in high school were you friends in high school it was going on in high school well we started out as friends yeah we ended up as boyfriend and girlfriend and was he your first uh really yes hmm. yes yes <laughs> Yes, I think there was some heavy making out with the boyfriend before that. Yeah. But no, Peter was really. Yeah. And I his. Yeah. And I think that we were very blessed because because we always had each other. We were never promiscuous and we never caught anything. Not quite. <laughs> Even though that was the period in the 70s and 80s, and sure. 80s mm. where we could have gotten into trouble yeah so no uh, so that was it you stay you locked in with him until we left each yeah, other right yeah then i was a little bit the animal let out of the zoo yeah yeah how old was that that was uh like uh 38 oh yeah something like that that's a good time to be let out of the zoo <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> i mean i was just Ready to sow my oats, uh-huh. figure out who Fran was uh-huh. outside of the marriage and outside of being my parents' daughter. And but I remember that I think the first time I really remember you registering with me and being like, "I love her," was <laughs> that uh, was a uh, Spinal Tap. Yeah, that was cool, right? You know, I was doing Doctor Detroit then, and with Dan Aykroyd, and. Um, that was kind of a big budget movie for yeah. Universal. Yeah. And I and my agent said, there's a low budget film, no script, mm-hmm. but a lot of really good comic actors. Yeah. And I think you should go up on it. It's Rob Reiner's first film directorial debut. Uh-huh. And so I met with him after shooting a night shoot yeah. on Dr. Detroit. So I was really kind of tired and I sat in Rob's office, and I think I was a little low-keyed or something. He said, you know, you're not what I was thinking of, but I find this very interesting. And he ended up giving me the part of Bobby Fleckman, and people always thought I was a real person in that movie. Yeah. Or I had known a person that I fashioned the character off of, because people said there was a woman in the industry that seemed like me. Of course. But I actually didn't you know, copy anybody. I just did my own thing. Yeah, well, it's sort of like we, there's a lot of you in her. Of course, always. <laughs> yeah. Um, like but, you're, you're... but not that there's not a lot of me in her, uh-huh. but I wasn't doing an imitation of a real person. Right. But, you know, I love live music and mm-hmm. I go to a lot of concerts and things yeah. whenever I can. Yeah. And the greatest silver lining of that movie is how many famous recording artists are into me 
Oh, yeah? And that movie. Oh, yeah. They all carry it on their tours. Oh, really? It's almost like a superstition not to. To have a, a copy of Spinal, Spinal Tap? Tap, yeah. They so you're sort of like a cult bus. hero? I am. I mean, I've had, you know, like Chris Martin uh-huh. come over to my table and profess his love for me. No kidding. I've been in an elevator with Bruce Springsteen mm. and saying, you know, I, I don't want to bother you. And it's like, Bruce, you could bother me <laughs> any time of the day or night. But uh, They all love Bobby, huh? I think so. It's really, it's really lucky for me. I mean, that movie um, was music-centric, as was Saturday Night Fever, as yeah. was American Hot Wax. And even Dr. Detroit, you know, had James Brown in it. Right, yeah, Dan and, liked to use all those people. Yes, yeah. yes. He honored the, uh, the uh, R&B, R&B and blues yeah, people. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And uh, So you're kind of a music-based actress for a while, yeah. Yes, and I like that because I love music, love it. But there, but I think somehow or another, you you became defined as you you are as a type. You're you're singular, and you're kind of a comedic persona yes, in and sure. of yourself. Absolutely, and you know that started very to be, distinctive yeah. persona. But it's you. But you never did stand up. It's huh? me with a lot of technique and talent. Yeah, I mean, sure, of course, <laughs> it's not probably. an accident. Everything is a choice. Right. Including making Mr. Sheffield, you know, British. You know I created that show, right? Yeah. So all of her is in me, but not all of me is in her. Of course. Yeah. But the, but you never did stand up? I do it now. Oh, really? Yeah. Now I do stand up. I didn't then. Um, because I was working as an actress and I, I didn't want to play that circuit and have to be up late, have to compete for mic yeah. time and... It wasn't my thing. Now that I'm famous, I can fill a room. I don't have to. So where do you go do stand up? Yeah, things. yeah. You do a whole set. You got yeah. an hour that yeah. you do. I, I have about fifty minutes, but I do a schmoozing with Fran show. So after that, I do a little one-on-one interview with myself, and uh, and Peter comes out. Who writes the bits? You? Yeah, me and and some of my writer besties that have written for me on and off throughout the course of time. Yeah. Yeah, we'll come up with stuff. It's all based off of my life, though. Nothing's made up. Who goes? Well, it depends. You know, sometimes it's whoever is in the area. Sometimes it's a huge gay group. You know, I'm a gay icon. Yeah. And sometimes it's, you know, I mean, just like, when did you know you were a gay icon? When did that happen? I was told during the nanny. There was a lot of, you know, like drag imitators <laughs> doing of me. The, doing you? And yeah. they used to have a, um, a parade called Wigstock. And oh, yeah, I remember that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they do nanny viewing parties at the gay bars. Mm. And people on, on the night that we aired... They would all go. It's, it was a very big show for a lot of people for a long time. Yeah, it was like it a defining to be. show. Yeah, it's huge with the millennials today. Really, they go back where they see it. It's in syndication. Are it's they in syndication. It on syndication. It's on right now. It's on um, Cozy as well as Hulu. Do you still own it or have a piece of it? Sure. Yeah. You don't give that up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's us and our parent company, Sony. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, that's Peter's and my baby. Yeah. 
We gave birth to it. We nurtured it. We took care of it. But you did, you did like some TV before, right? I mean, but not like that. Well, that, that was it. Just I here did and there. Some t- I did a short-lived series called Princesses. Yeah. Also for CBS, I did a lot of pilots that didn't go anywhere. And the last pilot that I did, I thought to myself, I'm either going to get myself on the inside in a big way or get yeah. out of this business. Yeah. Because I can't keep working for people that I feel are not as talented as I am at when writing and producing. did you have producing. that realization? Uh, before the nanny, because yeah. that's what right. I manifested. Right. I gave myself five years yeah. to make that happen. Yeah. And one day I... After I did this short-lived series for CBS. Princesses. Yes. And that was with Twiggy, the one and only, as well as Julie Haggerty. And after that, I did another pilot for them, which was like, a, I think, a spoof on soap operas, a nighttime, you know, single cam. That didn't get picked up either. Then I thought, well, now I'm going to have to wait a few months before pilot season comes around again to see what's going to happen. Yeah. And Peter and I were breaking stories, coming up with ideas to try and pitch, but not the nanny. Had you guys... Right. Okay. Well, how long have you been working on writing together? Like, how long were you a, a team in, try, in trying to develop stuff? Yeah, it was, it was in that window once I kind of said... It, this is not going to work for me. I'll, I'll find another way to make a living. Oh, because, oh, just by going out in auditioning. And then we started, he and I started brainstorming and pitching and coming up with series ideas and things like that. But when I ran into the head of CBS, it was on a plane to Europe. I cashed in some frequent flyer miles and I ended up going to visit. Who was the president then? Jeff Sagansky. Uh-huh. And I was going to visit Twiggy. Oh, yeah. And she was busy, so I was hanging out with her little 12-year-old daughter schlepping her all over London. Uh-huh. Because I wasn't comfortable being by myself in a big city. I I still struggle with being by myself out in the world, but I push myself to do it. Was that from like a PTSD thing? Uh, it's probably a perfect storm of a lot of things. Uh, I, I, maybe I have a like mild agoraphobia. I don't know, but um, or and I was a victim of a violent crime. Horrible. And I am famous, so I don't know. I think it's that's why I'm now. I'm I'm, I'm going to get a big dog. Yeah. Yeah. So like I a, can feel comfortable because I like distance walking. A service dog. Yes. That you can bring on the plane? Yes. How did you, like, how, what was the the process of, you know, because that violent crime, which was awful, that you've talked about before. Yes, and I've written about it. Yeah. I did a chapter in my first book called Bad Things Happen to Good People, and I, I really can't tell you how many people asked me to sign that chapter. Of course. Because a lot of people, it happens to a lot of people. They don't talk about it. They don't know how to talk about it. They don't want people to look at them weird or to think of them differently. So when somebody speaks their heart and their mind about the experience, it's, it's a, comforting. Oh my God. They feel less alone. They feel seen. They feel like I'm not the only one. It happened to a famous person. And if it could happen, and if she could get on with her life. Well, what, what did you do? What, what happened exactly? Oh, well, I we were home. It was me, Peter, and Judy. Who's Judy? My our best friend of many many years. Yeah, and uh, we were just having dinner. Yeah, 
the dog was barking. I didn't know why. I went on the intercom. Mm. Nobody answered, of course. Yeah. But uh, they were actually working at breaking down the front door. It was two brothers. Jeez. And the rapist was on parole. Yeah. So, you know, it was like an hour, an hour and a half of pure horror. Yeah. And uh, the good news is that they apprehended him, and now he's in jail for like two consecutive lifetimes. Wow. Well, that's good. At least yes, justice. closure. What about the other guy? He went to jail too, but yeah. he didn't. He didn't get the rape charges. Right. He just filled up our car and their car with everything. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah. It was so, awful. but like you know that, and that happened before the nanny. I mean, this happened before, yeah. and and what when was... the nanny started, there was one of those tabloid TV shows that uh, put it out a segment like it had just happened. Yeah. And people were calling my parents. What is this? What happened? And you hadn't talked about it publicly at that um, point. Well, I wasn't really famous mm. until the nanny. Oh, I see. It so never they, really oh, came up. Right. And it was in maybe my first or second year of the nanny. I did write the book. Yeah. But whenever this came out, and maybe. Maybe when the book came out, that was when when they decided to dig in and see if they could go to the prison uh-huh. and talk. Ugh, it was terrible, but and nothing really came of it. But I that was when I did experience post traumatic stress. So you're saying that the PTSD didn't really kick in until after it became public. Yes, and, and then all because of a sudden, I didn't really deal with my pain. Yeah, the, what did you do? I just carried After that. on. You did? Yeah. I mean, we had to go to court. Yeah. We were witnesses. Yeah. I was very instrumental because in helping the um, the police artist come up with a sketch of the guy. And um, that looked like he had posed for it. Oh, yeah. So. You, you really remembered, huh? I have, yes. I made a point of remembering. Yeah. And uh so uh and I kinda have a photographic memory, though it's beginning to fade a little bit now yeah, with age. Yeah, sometimes that's okay. <laughs> so well so what happened once it started it really hit you? You you're lucky to be in therapy I and gotta, you kinda like just... move forward a little bit. Do whatever you want. I have to say I don't know if anyone's ever said this, but this chair could be more comfortable. All right, I'll get some <laughs> The president sat on that Maybe chair. Maybe a back thing. All right. I have a nice picture with um, Obama. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was he was helpful in um, me passing a bill by unanimous consent, which means all one hundred senators said yes. Frank, which bill? The Gynecologic Cancer Education and Awareness Act, the first of its kind in U.S. history. And I was written up twice in the congressional record. Well, you worked for the president. You worked for the, weren't you a diplomat of sorts? Yes, I have a vetted position of public diplomacy envoy for health issues and was sent to- For women's health issues, right, specifically? uh, You know, uh, people always assume that, but I spoke to men and women in our military as well as our allied nations Mm. and- it was not usual. It was sometimes it was all women, but and people assume that because it was a gynecologic 
uh, bill that got passed that uh-huh. I didn't actually initiate, but I brought it home. Yeah, It's amazing, really, how sometimes the best gifts come in the ugliest packages. You just don't know what's going to come from the depths of despair. But you got to just play the hand that's been dealt you. That's, I think, why I was able to speak, be a public speaker. Because, because of I surviving. Had, yeah, I, the more I talked, the more I started to formulate a vision of what I think needed to be done. Um, and what did you do internationally? Well, I, I spoke yeah. ever, uh, wherever I went. Yeah. That's basically it. Talking to everybody. About your that experience. Was, it was organized. Yeah. Uh, not just my experience, but take control of your body. Mm. You know, I was misdiagnosed for two years. You have to transform from patient into medical consumer. Mm. You have to know what the early warning whispers of the cancers that may affect you are and the tests that are available. Because all too often, they're not even on the menu. Right. So, you know, that's my goal is to pivot the way people think about their health. Yeah to become more in charge, better partners with their physicians, Mm. and to ultimately and most significantly change their lifestyle to a more toxic-free, carcinogen-free, eco-friendly. Even just eat better. You must Start somewhere. Give up on all industrial farm foods. Uh, They're not serving you or the planet well. Well, definitely not highly refined, processed, Mm. sugary foods. Definitely not sugar, corn syrup, sweetener. I had some cookies. None of that. Last night I had two cookies. Two cookies isn't going to kill you. You know, don't make the perfect the enemy of the good. (laughs) I know. Uh, True. So now, all right. So this the show you're on now, I've talked to Adam Pauly. That's nice. He's talked, my son in the show. Yeah, I talked to Dan. Oh, uh, Dan Levy. Levy, mm-hmm. who I knew uh, from when he was a younger comedian. Stand up, uh-huh. yeah. And it seems like it seems like it's a good role for you. Yes, I think uh, you know. For those that love the nanny, it's kind of that character twenty five years later. <laughs> and did you meet his real mom? I did. I've met both his parents. They're very sweet people. <laughs> we're not exactly doing them, right. even though they inspired the role. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And You're uh, doing what you do. Exactly. Otherwise, why hire me? Right. But like over the course of this, I mean, you've done you know, like a lot of movies, episodic television, your own show, and but you also did a talk show for a while. I did. Well, that was almost like an experiment. I was given 16 hours of airtime. Yeah. But that's really not enough to get it. A daytime did you audience. like it though? I did like it. Could you see yourself doing that or what? Yes, I liked it. I like learning. I like talking to people. I'm interested in people. Um, you know, I I I liked it. Yes, okay. I did like it. But you know, uh, it it you have to have it. You have to have a, a network behind you. Sure. That's going to give you a good year like they gave Ellen. Sure. Get planted. So it seems like you got a little- Hard to change daytime viewing habits. Right. You got a little, uh, you're a little upset about that. No, I'm not upset. You would have liked a bigger shot with that particular format. I would have liked to have been on NBC. Mm. And the producers I was working for jumped to Fox because they wanted it too. And that's where their other show was, Wendy Williams. Right. Uh So you feel like you got kind of lost in the shuffle or not given the good shot? Well, I, I, 
you know, I think their judgment was off and we paid the price for it. Right. But then, you know, right. Happily Divorced started right after that. And that was and the that three was seasons. Great. Yeah, yeah, you and Peter, three yes, seasons. Yes, loosely based on our relationship. Mm. And it was wonderful. That's enough, isn't it? It's not enough for syndication necessarily, but three seasons is enough. I'm in the show right now. Four se- we're in the fourth season. It's it's like enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to do. I mean, you did a lot. Like the nanny, you did like 150 episodes. But that was a different time, too. It was like syndication meant something. Yes. I right. Mean, it still means something if you're uh, on network television. No, no, I know. I know. But like the, like the, the life of a show, like if you've got 100 episodes to sell, or, right? Or like 145, right, 150, like we did. Yeah. I mean, you know, that that has a, a long life ahead of it. Totally. And, if, and a, if it's a beloved show. Yeah. Yes. People loved it. And yeah. to this day, you make making money. Yes. Off of that thing. Everybody loves the nanny. Everybody loves you, Fran. <laughs> well. <laughs> but so, are, are you in love? Do you have uh, a man now? No. I, I'm not propositioning. I'm, I'm just asking. <laughs> I, um, I... I I only have a friend with benefits right now and a gay ex-husband. Yeah. So those are you know. friend with benefits. See that's it. See that's the benefit of like I'm I'm 56. I have no children. Like there's a point you get to I think in your and life. You're not married? No. Oh. I, I've been married twice. I have no kids because I was a bit of an asshole. It takes a certain type of an asshole to <laughs> have two wives and no children. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm that guy. But <laughs> But I'm happy I don't have kids. But the thing I was going to say is that you do, and it sounds like this is sort of where your head's at too, you get to a certain point in your life uh, around self-ownership where you're like, I don't owe anybody my life. And, and you know, why not, you know, if I'm not, if I'm doing something that's not making me happy, why am I doing that? Oh, no, you, you, right? Yes. And I, I, uh, you know, I've. I've thought to myself, I'm, I feel like I'm working too hard. I'm away from home too much. Yeah. Just in dealing with this show. Oh, right. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of uh, wondering the same question, but I'm in it. I committed to it. Oh, you mean just the time it's taking to, to promote the show? Yeah, because, yeah. you know, I mean, um, a I'm a little older than you, but yeah. we're- um, Not that much. No, not that much. So I think, you know, it's Precious time. time. Yes. Yeah. And it's diminishing returns. Uh, and you don't want to be filled with dread. Well, dread for what? That I have to go to work? or Well, no, I mean like, you know, like uh, maybe I'm just projecting. But like when I have things I got to do that I may not want to do. You know, going to work is one thing. Mm-hmm. But like today, like, you know, like, who's this guy? Oh. We get, no, no, actually. We're going to talk to who? I Where was is the he? one that, because we circled back to you. Oh. Because I couldn't get out here when it, it was originally presented to me. And uh, then I knew that I was doing a bunch of shows at Universal. Oh, yeah. And I said, and I was the one that said, what about that garage podcast? <laughs> well, maybe we should, since we're out that yeah. way. We're, in, we're, we're I nearby. Didn't not do it. Yeah, I just needed to not go from Malibu to Glendale oh. uh, without having at least a few other things along the way to make it all make sense. Sure. Well, I'm so glad you did. But how, how long you lived in Malibu? Twenty three years. So you didn't get the, you made it through the fire, huh? 
I did. Where? Yeah, I'm in South Malibu, and I, I um, was very lucky. We all had to evacuate. Yeah, you had a house on a, on some land out there. Do you? Is that what uh, you No, I'm on the ocean. That's yeah. my land. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's huge, great view. Oh, and it's it's beautiful. Oh, it's it's its own, it's own world. It's you wilderness. Do... Yeah. I mean, I see huge wild mammals like, all the time. Like what? Seals, really? dolphins, whales. You see whales, flocks of pelicans. Really? I mean, whales it's just remarkable. You see whales? I do. It's a rare sighting for me, <laughs> uh, but I do see them. Okay. All right. Well, say hello to them for me. Yes, I will. It's always a religious experience. I can't. I can't imagine it. I've never seen a whale. I like. And I'm with you. You know. I mean, at this point, I, I love my space. I love my house. Mm. I love my time with me. Yeah. And so I like, um, you know, companionship and having my friends and right. My logical friends right. versus biological family. Right, My sure. logical family. Yeah. Right, yeah. The but, ones you choose. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, but, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's not a, uh, a, a, a closed issue, hmm. but I am relishing the fact that I'm finally at a place in my life where I'm happy to be alone. Yeah. I find that, I consider that... Major growth on my part. Well, look, man, if you're like a, a person that has, has had issues with boundaries or, or codependency or, or over caregiving, it just becomes like a relief at some point once you have a certain amount of self-acceptance to be like, I don't fucking need right. <laughs> to deal with that exactly. shit. Exactly. Right? And I knew when I was getting better because people would... You know, I surrounded myself with, you know, basket cases. Yeah. I needed to be needed. Right. You're addicted to people. And now I, I don't have that need anymore. And when people would start telling me the problem, once I was able to realize that um, it was my way of avoiding my own problems by giving myself a false sense of being Useful. together. Yeah. And, and you know, like right. having my shit together. Right. Being and, there for other people. Yeah. And once mm-hmm. I was able to finally admit that I'm as fucked up as you are, I tell people, you know, all I can tell you is find yourself a really good shrink uh, and lay on that couch. Yeah. And, you know. Sure. Figure it out. Who are you? Yeah. Go for the jugular. Yeah. Why are you fucked up? What's happening? Yeah. Why aren't you? What are you buying into? Yeah. What's the bill of goods? Right. But you used to surround yourself with people because of this? Like you had people in your life that were in trouble or in, had problems or were high maintenance? Yeah, I think so. I relationships. Think I, I remember and... making concerted efforts to um, meet and make friends with people that didn't need me that I could learn from. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is it, did it feel weird at first? Like, how can you not need me? <laughs> <laughs> no, because at that point I was, I, I was enjoying learning from someone else. Uh-huh. Like, I love when I'm in the company of an alpha female. Yeah. Because it just, for me, it's like, I, I, you know, I'm, I, I take the ride. Yeah. They're always going to ask the right questions, make the good reservation, figure out the best restaurant. <laughs> it's all good. I'm totally trusting of my alpha female girlfriends. <laughs> there you go. A shout out to alpha chicks. Yay. Well, I'm glad you're doing well. And it was Thank nice talking you. to you. I'm glad we talked. Ah, it's lovely talking to you. You're and, uh, delightful. You are too. And good luck with the show. I hope they uh, make more. Thank you. 
Fran Drescher. That voice, right? That laugh, right? Indebted is on NBC Thursdays, 9.30, 8.30 Central. Lovely conversation. I liked, I'm glad she stopped by. I'm now going to uh, play a sad tribute in a very brief way to the great John Prine. And then I'm going to go try to get my cat in the box. Happy Pesach. Rest in peace, John Prine. Boomer lives.